What's up, everybody? My name is Holden Stefan Roy. This is Bridge the Gap. This is the show where we talk to super interesting people, such as this renegade rapper, lady person that we are going to meet who does a bunch of stuff. Um, and we're going to learn about her story. And we are going to make sure that, you know, we, we get to extract the knowledge nuggets of her experience, which is the main motif of what we do over here. On that note, um, we like to get this started with a couple of little questions and then it just kind of gets rolling. So the first thing for all the people that do not know you already. Um, can you just intru- introduce yourself right quick and um, tell the people where you are from, like where you start your life? That is like the most important part right here. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually from Vancouver, Washington. It's a, it's a little city near Portland, Oregon. Um, I was actually born and raised there. Awesome. So with that, I'm able to lead into the opening question that we have. It's a little bit of a story. So how this works is I'm going to run it through. When it lands, you're going to start talking and the conversation just kind of flows from there. You can think of this like a sequential chronicling of your existence. Um, so it, all of this starts out with my girlfriend. And she's washing the dishes one time. And she's got her phone open and she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song. That, I got a feeling. Ooh. She's vibing and she's dancing and she's doing her thing and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, when the fuck did this song become chores music, right? Like, because if you really think about this track, run it back 10 years or so, this song is like middle of the night, everybody's having a great time song, even the high schools, it was party time. It doesn't matter where you were at in life. This was the party time song of like that era. Like there was almost nothing bigger. 10 years goes by. The song doesn't change at all, but we grow up and now the song has evolved from party music to the music we put on when we wish we were partying and are doing boring things like chores. And that was just like big for me. It got me thinking about all the 20 year olds and everybody out there because I'm a little older than that and how they be running around doing their things, the pop smokes, the whatnot. They don't know that in 10 years, that's their chores music. And they don't know that when I found out about Pop Smoke, he became my chores music. And that's just kind of the cycle of life with music. And when you think about music like that with journeys and how everything kind of evolves and at different phases of life, music plays like different roles and purposes. I started realizing with all the interviews and everything I'd ever seen, most people start their story at the same place. This like adolescent phase of identity of coming to age when they start identifying with the music and creating their personal taste or they start writing at 12 or something like that but in a hundred percent of the cases that's not the start of anybody's musical journey because realistically when we was born probably popped out in a hospital room etc to be some music playing in the room and i say that because music was huge when i was young like i can remember being five years old up in montreal my dad got all these like gray boxes around the room he's got the amps the preamps the radios the tape decks all these wires going out to speakers and stuff everywhere he'd be busting his Led zeppelins and all these kinds of tapes throughout the day and at nighttime it's all this club music live from the clubs in montreal my mom's was more like love love songs and music and things like that you know and it's just all these different vibes and sounds and things that were just all over my childhood before i had any control over any of the music that i ever listened to so i was hoping renegade you could bring us back to being a young person all the way back you know when you was early as you can remember and describe a little bit about what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over any of the music in your life yeah wow i Fuck, I mean, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I I love 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 that question. Thank my you. language, but uh, you can yeah, swear. So, You're all allowed. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah, 
I was like pursuing music at all. Actually, I wanted to be an artist, so like a sketch artist, and uh, I did some poetry and shit. But what it sounded like was my uh, mom. I lived with my mom, poor uh, uh, parents, um, and my mom loved grunge, especially since we're from Washington, and a lot of grunge came from Washington, Seattle area. So that was a huge influence on Are you me. Far so from Seattle. Uh, no, I'm about two, two and a half, maybe three hours away from Seattle, depending on the traffic. Okay. So like, I've been, I've been there dozens of times. So like Seattle's like the, the big city around where you grew up. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is the biggest city where I grew up for sure. Uh, it doesn't really, um, Seattle doesn't really give you a good example of the rest of Washington though. The rest of Washington is actually very lonely, very bleak, not very busy. Um, in a lot of areas very poor um and so seattle gives kind of a overblown view of the rest of washington because it's a humongous city and it's a lot more like new york than it is like the rest of washington if you go to kent or vancouver or olympia or blaine or bellingham it, it's going to be a totally different bleak boring vibe it's it's and i love washington i i love all that stuff about it even though that sounds negative because i'm just a very introverted person nah, I but uh what, i got all yeah. kinds of bad shit to say about montreal but i love it also just to clarify yeah. one thing for the people she does not even mean vancouver british columbia i had to google this other no. vancouver and see how close it was to vancouver british columbia <laughs> but, yeah it's all it's all on the opposite and actually uh for three years i lived in blaine and i was your neighbor technically i was right next to vancouver bc mm. i mean i could have into it that's fair i've uh, never actually been there because like as much as it might be a neighbor to the country vancouver is far away it is like the other side of the country and you have to fly there because it takes like six days to drive so it's like yeah but yeah i know that's really interesting that like you put it in the context of how there's seattle and then there's just small town washington pretty much all over which is a little bit what i pictured because i've never heard of anything but seattle but like you don't often get to talk to people from like the small town overlooked parts of the USA, especially if yeah. you're from where I'm from in Montreal, where like, frankly, I don't know where half the states are on a map. Like, pff, no idea. Um, so you grew up in that grunge influence. And was your mom like heavy into music? Was it like always around? So my mom was like a, a closeted singer how i like to put it because she was honestly an incredible super ridiculously talented singer but she was really shy she had some severe anxiety so it was you know she was in some bands here and there that would do little open mic she was she never really took it as far as she could have because of a lot of anxiety and of course she became a mom eventually and you know a mom of three divorced mom of three, so that's pretty hard too but uh yeah so she would just sing all the time so she would sing, you know, I mean, somehow she could sing like Lane Staley and Chris Cornell, like perfectly, you know what I mean? Which you don't always hear women do that. But so that was what I was around just uh, Soundgarden. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know that's not grunge, but that was the same era. You know what I mean? A lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, that was actually <laughs> the only like rap I had ever been exposed to as a kid was <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers and Lincoln Park up until I was about 15 years old. All right, we gotta get there still. But you you mentioned some other interesting stuff, like your sketching. So at what point do you like start to get like a desire to become a little artist? Uh, that was actually as since I was old enough to speak and hold a pencil. So 
three or four years old. I, wow. I've been drawing. I was three or four. I still have drawings uh, in my closet from that age and from all the way up until I stopped, which was around age 14. I, I think is when I stopped. Uh, but I would, you know, draw sketches of like people for their birthdays. And I was getting pretty good. Like I was making stuff look hyper realistic. Uh, for my age, I mean, you know what I mean? And that's what I thought I wanted to do. Leonardo da Vinci was like my idol. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting how that kind of flipped. Nah, I mean, I think a lot of people go through different kinds of journeys. Like I can't draw for shit and I never really tried to learn how much, but a lot of people I talked to in the same context, you know, I've talked to people who flat out invented comic book universes when they were like nine, like all character development and shit. So there's like, uh, yo, what's up, Jumpin' Joe in the chat. Um, and shout out Ismail. I didn't even see you sneak in there. It's good to have you. Um, but yeah, basically, it's it's always like fascinating to just see the multiple layers of artistry. Because like, honestly, people be doing more than one thing. And often we just focus on the one thing. And then it's almost like influencer era stuff. Just like hearing that you got all this like drawing experience. Like that's like a decade of commitment to an art craft that's like a powerful ass asset to have. And I think a lot of people undersell like the bigger value of those things in terms of life habits yeah. later on. And that's really cool that you would like do the sketches and say, did you ever hustle it? Was it ever like, yo, send me 10 bucks and I'm. <clears throat> uh, no, I think I could have if I wanted to, because there were a lot of people that really liked my drawings and stuff. And I had my own kind of little style or whatever. Um, and you know, I could do portraits, but no, I was just, uh, yeah, I just wasn't, didn't have the hustler mentality for that first half of my life, to be honest. It didn't happen until a little bit later on. And when did you start, like, dibbling and dabbling with the poetries? Uh, that started when I was about six years old and seven, and I would just sure. really bad, cheesy poetry on MySpace and post it. And then, you know, hold my sister. We got to stop for a second. Oh, you're so good. You were like six or seven dropping poems on MySpace. Like that's, yeah. that's a thing. <laughs> People was doing that. MySpace is probably still out there somewhere with my pictures as a little, little girl. Yeah. For real. And like, how I don't even on there. Like I was, a, you know what I mean? Don't you have to be like 13 to be on there? But all you have to do is check a box. You could be any age, really. I think the internet has proven that children have figured out how to lie about their age since the beginning of the calculator. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no. So being on MySpace dropping poetry, what is that like? Were you like, so you're seven years old navigating social media with yeah. poetry and yeah. content? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I remember being in the basement, which was where all the fun happened when I was a kid with my, brother, my cousin. And there was one computer and a Nintendo 64 and a GameCube. And that was kind of our, you know, entertainment center. And I just loved it. I love social media and I love the Internet since I was a little girl, probably because I kind of like attention, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but that's that's like a wild thought to me, just because I'm a little bit older, like. I was more teenage years when MySpace was, like, popping. So, like, I know the really weird shit I did as a teenager on the internet. I can only imagine going through your entire life being, like, connected to social media like that. Like, I've never thought about that. I've never thought that there was ever, like, six-year-olds that was, like, yo, I could drop fucking bars because I saw some shit on MySpace. Like, that's, a that's like, maybe I'm having an old man moment. But shit, that's a, that's a wild thought. And, like... 
So people, would they like yeah. interact with you, give you feedback, encourage you and all that? Or was it like a weird vibe? Yeah, well, it, it was mostly, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, it was mostly like my sister's friends because I would befriend my older sister's mm. friends. So uh, like 10 year olds and stuff uh, would be like, oh yeah, you're really good. Like keep doing it. But like in reality, I was terrible, but sweet and encouraging. Um, but yeah, it was kind of weird. And to be honest, a lot of it stemmed from I, I uh, was extremely depressed at a very early age in life because life was pretty, I got pretty messed up. My mom got into like drugs pretty heavily and she was an amazing mom, but you know, it's like drugs take you over and you know what I mean? It makes the environment really difficult to live in. So I was just very depressed and I was unfortunately a little bit too aware of what was going on. Not completely, but I was, you know, a little bit aware of how things were kind of slowly getting messed up and I was just super depressed all the time. So a lot of my poetry back then was actually, even though it was like really put together and the rhyme sucked, um, it was all very dark stuff about death and blood and drugs and, and just a horrible thing. Yeah, it's wild. I mean... Hold up. The last couple of things you said just got cut off. Is that like drugs and then it kind of blanked? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of my topics of poetry, even at age seven, eight and nine, was like about uh, drugs and poverty and death and things like that, which is like, you know, not something you probably want to hear from a nine year old. Nah, but I'm sure a lot of nine year olds <laughs> definitely create that kind of poetry. And even though it might be like poorly put together. I just think it's like you're doing it at like seven, eight years old. Like that's a whole other lane. That's like expression and learning how to like manage it in a really interesting way. While the content is unfortunate and it's really bad that that happened. It still is <clears throat> for the sake of what you do now, like super related that you were able to like leverage art and start clocking experience that young. And I think... Whereas, like, a lot of older people don't get it is that a lot of young people were connected on the internet like that and did start, like, at, like, super young ages expressing it because you were exposed to it. Like, when I'm eight, there's nobody fucking telling me to write poems outside of the context of school. So it's, like, a very different reality. And so hearing about it, I think, enhances a lot of our understanding. Yeah, yeah, it, that's so funny because I didn't even, I, I see now why you start uh, your interviews like way back because it really does actually give a better idea of how things actually started because, you know, I never thought like, oh, my rap started when my shitty poems on MySpace when I was nine started. Like I never put it in that context, but that actually makes sense. That probably is kind of where it stemmed from. I always had a knack for wanting to write poetry and tell stories and with that, because you're like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours to perfection theory, however true it may I think that number's wrong. I think it's a lot more. But like, or at least it's a lot more with the relative competition. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, that shit inspired me. And as I started hearing people's like young people's stories and stuff, like, yo, I got published in elementary school that had a big impact on me. I mean, I'm sure everybody has elementary school. I don't know if you call it that in the States, primary school, whatever. Like the early school fucking stories of like, you know, things that impacted them. Like in my experience, most people, it really is like your childhood influences your adolescence and then everything is just sequential. But and, and partly it's also like for the parents to like 
hear this shit and be like, oh, say a word. I should encourage my kids as opposed to like not because we all know that not every parent's like mad encouraging of the artistic pursuits of their children. So all of those things together, I'm like, yo, I want to hear about childhood shit. And then you hear wild stories like that. Like you were an artist, poet on social media at eight. That's kind of wild if you think about it. That's like a bunch of 32-year-olds brand new hustle. Right. I didn't even think about it that way. But yeah, it's, it, that's all just been a part of my life since since I was a kid. And that's why we bridged the gap over here. We learn about other people's stories because you never really know what people share. And everybody answers this question so differently that it's honestly rare to have like like parts of the story repeat. But like, nah, it's always so unique because like nobody ever yeah. grew up in the same place at the same time, really. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so like outside of that, when do you like yourself start to like get into music as it like stops being like your parents are like, but your mom's bumping it and you're like, nah, this is my fucking jam. Like, what do you remember your like first jam and how old you were when you like you discovered that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly why I asked for a piano what triggered me to do that. I had a little tiny bit of keyboard experience very early on in life. My dad got me a little keyboard I doodle with, but I was never serious about it. Yo, and even that that's nifty. Was- Hold up. You got a keyboard when you were super young. It put a seed yeah, in your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, uh, I remember I was in my sister. Uh, my sister and I shared a room when I was a kid. Um, and I was at our room and she was listening to the radio. And you two, like Sunday Bloody Sunday was playing, which I, I loved that song growing up. And I still love that song. But I remember trying to like press the right keys with my, like just using my ears to figure out the right key, the right notes and the right key for that song. And then all the other songs that would play. Um, so that, that was like my earliest experience with that. But then you fast forward, uh, you know, I moved uh, to Blaine for a little bit. I was uh, 11. You fast forward. And mind you, I had stopped playing keyboard by the time I hit about like nine. You know what I mean? So from like seven to nine, so, I was playing it. You know, stopped, that's like a but... whole other thing to add to your childhood resume. You're training yourself to play keyboard by ear. Nah, this is um, really cool. Like this is just a show. You're doing it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, fast forward, I'm 11, and uh, I like for some reason really wanted a keyboard or a piano or something. So I like begged my dad for one. I don't remember why I wanted one so bad to this day, unfortunately. But I just I just wanted one, and so. He ends up getting me this up this uh, 70-year-old upright piano that hadn't been tuned once in the entire time it had ex- existed with, like, slightly broken, fucked-up keys and the ivories coming off. And it's just... It just sounds like death when you play it. Like, it is just nails on a chalkboard. But it was just barely not out of tune enough for me to play it and for you to understand the notes, right? For it to be coherent, just really badly out of tune. And so I ended up learning how, and I completely fell in love like instantly. Oh my God, I totally remember what made me want the piano now. That's yeah. okay. Back up a little Let's bit. Run it so back. Morning, my dad had a business partner uh, that he was extremely close with and good friends with. And this guy, uh, he was on vacation. So he wanted my older sister 
and uh, me to, oh, wait, no, 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 that was, this was a little bit later. But we were at his place, his business partner's house, really nice house. He had a grand piano. And I sat down and I just kind of decided to play it, even though I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember recording myself playing it on this little, like, Nokia camera or something and recording video of me playing piano because I was like, oh, wow, I just kind of have a knack for this. Like, everything I'm playing sounds really pretty. You know, that was what I was thinking at the time that I was just doodling on the screen piano. You know what I mean? Um, and so I started begging my dad for a piano. So then he gets me that shitty old piano that's out of out of key and everything. And I didn't care. I fell in love with it. And I started, it got to the point where I was playing, uh, I made myself play at least six hours a day after school. Like it was a challenge for me. Um, and my brother was a guitarist and we would sometimes have competitions to see who could play each other, like our own instruments, but longer during the week. You know what I mean? Oh, I would do six hours a day to try to compete and stuff. Yeah. Cause we're both, he's in a band now. We're both hardcore uh, musicians. I'm, like, I'm going to say though, like, that is some healthy ass competition. If your long-term goal is music. Yeah, for real. Awesome. How how long did you maintain that? Like, how many hours did you clock when you were young? Just playing piano then? I remember there was a a few weeks where uh, I got to do the math here really quick since we're not anymore. But there were a few times where I did literally an average work week in just playing piano, like a 40 hour week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, 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 so like lucky that I had that experience uh, early in life because now that I have a full-time job with a business I partly own with my dad I realize like how precious spare time is you know what I mean um but yeah so I ended up falling in love with piano I ended up teaching myself how to play I taught myself how to play Chopin I literally I'm not trying to brag but like just to like go through the the course of my my experience in music I mean I literally taught myself and a year later, I, I won first place in a competition, uh, piano competition against people that were like classically trained. And it was like bizarre. The reason I mentioned it is because it was so freaking like insanely bizarre to me. I didn't even think I was that good. You know what I mean? I just wanted to try, but like the I point is- I don't know how many people put that level of effort into practice. I mean, you'd assume, but like, I feel like once you hit a certain prestige, you do not put that level in unless you're like a rare breed. It's just all about the love. And, you know, the, the moral there is that, and I'm not saying don't take lessons on something or don't, you know, increase your knowledge in a field. You should always, you know, try to increase your knowledge somehow. But like, if you can't afford lessons or something and you think that means you can't go and learn piano or learn how to rap or whatever the case is. If you just put enough time in, like I did, you know what I mean? You put in your 40 hours a week or whatever in that craft, even if you can't afford lessons, like I could not, you can still compete with people who had lessons. Like you can still compete with professionals. I love what you're saying. And I totally get the lessons for a lot of things. Cause like at some point I did take a couple like singing lessons. Cause I didn't know how to hear notes changing and shit. Uh, mm-hmm. But people take rap lessons? That's a thing? Oh, I, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I never took lessons, but when I first started rapping, I remember looking up online when I was a little baby rapper, looking up how to properly rap or how to rap faster or how to rap with a better uh, enunciation, clearer, you know, making your words clearer or how to rhyme better or different rhyme schemes and what they mean, ABAB or ABC, you know, like all the different types of rhyme schemes. I would like study it like it was a like I was going to school. That's wild. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, but it's still a wild thought to me that that's like a whole lane that people sell professional rap lessons to people on the internet trying to become rappers. Like, it makes sense when you, like, say it out loud and consider the internet, but it also is still, like, what it is. Um, That's still cool, and I agree with you because, I mean, ultimately, if you want to get good, you get good, and it's like that with everything in life, and you put the time and the effort in, and the thing I think is the most interesting about what you've said so far is like by the time you're like, you know, a teenager, you've clocked like a professional music musician's amount of experience across multiple art forms, you know, and that's like, yeah. and sometimes I like, I, I emphasize that because I meet people who start like late in life, a couple of years in, and they don't realize the scope of like actual practice of like people in this world. And the level of talent that really is out there. Now, I'm not even trying to say I'm good or whatever. I'm saying that, like, when you hear stuff like that, to me, the first thing I hear is, oh, shit, like, she probably can bullshit better than most people in terms of whipping full package stuff out her ass because you've been doing it that long. Like, if you can play the piano and you can write poetry and you could do all these different things and you had all that practice since time, you know, like, that's a, that's the kind of shit that I think is stuff that people should really look for in others because, like, yo, a lot of people can start and do things in a couple of years, but a lot of the younger ones, holy shit, y'all been doing this since, like, you were young, young. And that shit's crazy to me because the older ones, I don't know. It feels like everyone started at like 16 and all the young ones started at six. And that's a hugely interesting fact that I've encountered, not like a universal fact. No, I've noticed the exact thing. I've noticed the same thing. I'll ask the rappers that are quite a bit older than me, like when they started. And they're usually, usually I get answers even crazier. Like I didn't start till I was 22 or 25. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like you and I would ask them like no experience rapping or poetry or anything before them. They're like, nah, you know, I didn't care at all about it until 22 or 25. And it's just mind blowing to me. And it's cool, too, that, you know, people can go their whole life not caring about a certain craft and then all of a sudden really care. You know, but yeah, it is interesting, the difference between older people, uh, people of a few generations, you know what I mean, before me. Uh, how how they get into music compared to yeah my generation it is very bizarre i say it because you're not like the first person i've talked to in your general age group who's been like since 10 bro i've been on youtube studying the this is and the that's and becoming a master of my shits and i'm like there was no youtube when i was 10 fair exactly that's what i was gonna say is i think i think i don't want to blame the internet but i think that was probably a huge component of it it's just you have the internet readily available and so you can, for free, I could listen to music. There was a time in, you know, your generation and before you where you couldn't listen to music for free unless it was the music they wanted you to hear on the radio. So now there's a huge, there's way more freedom about what kind of music you get to listen to, when you get to listen to it, how often. Uh, all different types of genres you can listen to for free. That was part of my generation. So it becomes a lot easier to be exposed to, especially if you're talking about people getting into music. So much easier to get 
exposed to music and different kinds of music at that point and to get attention and validation for the music you're making because you can post it online. But even beyond that, one of the, the like things to just build on what you're saying, um, the old heads will call them have this like misconception that like young people never listen to the classics when it's more like now the young people listen to the classics 10 years ago also. And now they've just like, like, like I've talked to people who are like, yeah, I had Tupac and Lil Wayne discovering them at the same time. It's like people went through that, it seems. And so like when they get to this age, it's like, nah, they just have refined tastes and old people are like, nah, you're just ignorant. And it's like, nah, B, I don't know if you know what it's like to be a kid on YouTube. I don't. Yeah. But I do know what it's like to be 19 on YouTube. <laughs> so it's like, if you like, you, you have like a taste of that. I remember when like it went from, I had to buy music to holy shit the entire internet is available i was like right at that age and it was like no fucking way and youtube to like mp3 became the fucking godsend of my existence and everything changed and yep. i discovered all this indie shit i never would have heard outside of because like prior to that i don't know if y'all know man if you couldn't napster and limewire because like you couldn't do that because i see jump and joe mentioned that like there was like shit like yahoo launch and other free sites that would plug like fucking commercial music yo but it's not even that bad like i heard 50 cents power of a dollar and shit back in the day before maybe i should have because of yahoo launch plugging all this oh. random indie underground rap at me that was not the mainstream and like there were ways to do it but like you honestly youtube changed everything for me i have I remember I used to buy CDs and then I just was like, I lost my CD collection. It got stolen and I'm like, it's over. <laughs> like, nah, YouTube. <laughs> and that was like $400 that just disappeared. And I'm like, there was a big realization. Anyway, all I have to say, your experiences are crazy to listen to from my perspective because of how much education happens so much earlier in like the free form kind of way. I digress. Yeah. So um, you're playing piano. Are you also like into the poetry still at that point? Or does that like come or okay. are you just doing it all? Oh, yeah. Actually, I have an interesting note on that. Uh, I was still interested in poetry, writing it whenever I was inspired. And writing was always my best subject in, in school and all of that. Uh, but uh, an interesting side note, around the same age, I was still playing piano and pursuing that. Mostly, but I remember the first like itch I had ever to rap and this is before I was rapping and it wasn't rap that I was but the first itch I really had to make bars I remember there was a period of time when I was like 12 and 13 where for some reason I just couldn't get rhymes that sounded really dope out of my head they would just pop in intrusively and I'd have to write them down to the point where it would bother me and it would keep me up at night and I would literally I'd be like dead ass tired trying to sleep you know at like midnight and I'd be like, oh, my God, there's another dope rhyme. I don't want to, like, turn my lights on and get out my journal and write it down and then try to go back to sleep. So I would literally have a pen next to my bed. And anytime a, a rhyme would come up, I would write it on my arm and my hand. And then I would go to school with all this writing on my arms and stuff. And people would be like, why are you writing on your arms? Like, what's up with that? And I was like, I just had all these ideas in my head. I couldn't get out. And I had to put them down. And I would even write them on the walls, too, sometimes in my bedroom my dad was cool enough to let me write on the wall in my bedroom for some reason but I would just have these itches and I would just write them down and then you know when I was awake and had energy I would then take what was on my arm and then put it on paper so I could have it forever if I liked it so, so this was really weird 
I mean, that's really weird, but it makes one hell of an interesting story. Like, to walk around with your own lyrics written on your arm, but not only your own lyrics, you're half asleep, half awake, delirium lyrics. And then you just, yeah. like, that's, that's a, I'll bet that's a marketing flex that somebody, if they hear that, could flip into a real thing that they do. Like, that's wild. Yeah, it is really wild. It is very wild. Um, and I don't know why it was like, like nowadays I have those intrusive thoughts a lot less. I don't know if it's because I smoke pot and I've been doing that for a long time or if it's just because as you get older, the, the gerbil in your head kind of spins a little slower, you know. Uh, but the thing is, I guess I've written so much that now anytime someone is like, I want, I need you to write something or I'm like, oh, I need to write something. Like I can just sit down and write it and then five minutes or half an hour, I have something pretty solid and then I can just go and revise that to make it perfect. And so I don't know, it's really weird. It's just, this, it's a very impulsive thing and almost a very intrusive thing for me when I'm writing. It's never like, I don't get writer's block. Like that do, is not a thing for me. I don't know how to have it. I relate to that. Do you read? Uh, yeah, I do read. Uh, I used to read books a lot more frequently than I do now. I do love to read, but mostly nowadays I just read things on the internet. Like when I'm research researching, I have a question about something. I'll get really deep into it and read about it for like hours sometimes, but haven't read books in like probably six months. My theory is there's a correlation between knowledge acquisition and writer's block. And the people who constantly be learning don't get writer's block because it's super hard to not come up with shit to say when you constantly be learning or living. Yeah. I'll give it to the people who be living because living also equates to learning. So I think that's an interesting. That's why I asked the book question because I'm like, I want to know that right away. Um, and yeah, if you read a lot, I find it's like, if I'm reading, not audiobooks personally, I think reading is like training your mind the way like the gym trains your body in terms of like processing words. It's like a word oh, processing absolutely. exercise. I don't really give a shit what people read. You could read literal tabloid nonsense, but the actual act of like processing the words is going to make your brain sharper. It's true. And, and in addition to that, I've read that uh, it's actually proven that when you're, because when I'm memorizing, it can be that's my, my biggest challenge but uh the reading words if you're actually reading the words you know what i mean as you're saying them then it helps you memorize it better because then you can actually see them pop up in your head when it's no longer in front of you yeah so real that's i do that that's one of the mnemonic tricks i use to memorize shit because yeah, yeah all i can tell you is the more songs you write the harder it will be to memorize songs because like it's just Thank you. an equation like yo i know somebody don't have a lot of songs when they're like yo i know off all of them by heart i'm like oh you haven't forgotten songs you've written yet thank you i'm so glad you brought that up because i've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs no joke piled up from all the years i've been doing it i always was like sure that Sometimes people would be like, okay, like spit, spit, uh, not like always off the top of the like spit something that you've written before. And I just go blank and I'd be like, okay, through all, you know, 1000 songs I've written, the one that I think you'll like, and then see if I actually have that memorized, you know, now that I'm finally doing like just open mics downtown and stuff, I have a little small artillery of like, you know, 15 songs I have, you know, pretty, pretty down, but like, you know, it's, that 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 alone took a lot of effort 
that alone took, they say it takes at least 12 times repeating something in a row for it to really get drilled into you. And so, and that's like minimum. So imagine you're rapping and you have to memorize thousands of words, right? Just for one little show, like one, one like 30 minute show, you got to memorize like two or 3000 words. Cause it's a bunch, it's condensed rap, I, right? Like I, that shit's not. You, I, you, it's like you have, I, I hate it in a sense, the prep work for shows for how bad I am at memorizing my own shit. Like I'm currently trying to memorize a bunch of shit I wrote and it's like, I got to listen to it a thousand times and then, then you got to practice it with whatever live version you use. And then it's like, yeah. it's like everything you ever struggled with recording the song is still there. And that's the other part of it. So it's not just like the memorizing it, but it's like now you have to like actually deal with shit that you struggled with and you finally got that take or whatever, whatever. And anyway, oh, yeah. it's just, it's just live is hard <laughs> and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say like, I have it, I have to put like five ish hours minimum into prepping for a show if I haven't done it in a minute. <laughs> oh, for real, for real. Yeah, absolutely. It is hours of work just to get a few songs down and like really down and, the unfortunate part, the thing that it makes it a challenge for me, too, is that, and, and you know, it still takes me quite a while to get to this point with my own music, and I can always step back for a few days and then find that heat again, but, like, when you have to repeat the same song a hundred times, even if it's your song that you love, that you put so much love into, you will start to get sick of that song, and I hate nothing more than starting to hate a song that I loved, that I made. I hate that, and so I'll just stop. I'm like, not important enough for me to perform this live i'm not liking repeating this anymore i'm going to set it aside i do not ever want to spoil my own music and that's almost happened before but i've never let it happen because i will just stow it away for months and be like i'm not touching it forget about it you know what i mean i definitely know what you mean i have a son that's too good to do that i have to do it i have to perform this shit like it's that good i performed it i mean i've said the words to that song over 2000 times in my life because I wrote it in 2012 and I performed it at virtually every live set and I have had to practice it every, I even still practice it before I go live at this point, just in case I feel like you got to get at least a dry run done of every song you do. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I can't listen to it, but I do enjoy performing it, but I can never listen to that song again. I can never put that shit on and enjoy it. Like, nah, it's, it's just, I know that it works. I know that it's like going it. to have the effect I want, and I know yeah. that it closes my set perfectly right now, still to this day, because it's like it's just perfect for that purpose. Yeah, I like how you said that, because sometimes I'll hear songs like uh, on the radio or something, and I'll be like, I don't like listening to this song, but then I'll imagine myself playing it, like with piano or singing it or something, and I'm, I bet I would enjoy playing it, mm. but I don't listening to it it's interesting how how actually being able to engage and and help create it makes it more enjoyable to hear when you're hearing it i think it has like it's like a double-edged sword though because like it has the opposite effect like i don't know that i will ever enjoy music like i did when i'm a teenager now that i know every fucking nuance that is about making music like I can't, I can't hear music. Like 
I at least can't listen to hip hop or anything with a band. I can kind of enjoy EDM because I've never made it, but I played bass for a while and I do vocals and I've been involved in beat making. It's like all of that's ruined for me as a fan. It's like I appreciate it like a connoisseur. It's more like those fine wine motherfuckers and how they like talk about fine wines. Or I don't know if you've ever been to a whiskey yeah. tasting, but whiskey tastings are wild. The level of detail they can go into describing a flavor. That's how I feel about music, honestly. It's not like this casual thing anymore. And I kind of miss that. And I think that's like the yeah. other side of the coin. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Especially difficult if you have the extensive, extensive uh, music theory and experience in that field, because then you're kind of breaking apart every song. Like when I was first getting into music theory, I remember, I, and I was kind of snobby about it still, not saying you are, but like I was, I used to be so snobby, be snobby. about music. <laughs> so I would just listen to shit and be like, "Oh, this chord progression is so boring. They should really mix it up with the." All right, that would have made it way better. Like, this is trash. This is so generic, or whatever. I remember saying that kind of stuff. How fake? Oh, this song is. You know, oh, the rhythm isn't creative. Like, that's how I used to be about music, and it totally would be so annoying. But as I get older, I, I, for some reason, I'm like more capable that old me would have absolutely hated and talked major shit about now i can listen to it and appreciate it and be like mm. yeah it's like like the 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 aromatic notes of whatever like you know what i mean it's so different for me i definitely Probably. no i went through that heavy i remember like the the fuck a drake and now i'm a big drake fan like i had the whole face because lil wayne drake was like popping when i'm the like fuck a auto-tune face like all of that was me right. So I went through all of that, and now I'm like, I'm on that concussion alcohol. And I'm like right there, like fucking vibing to it, because what happened was, I'll be real with you, I kind of started living a more fun life. So I started having these context cues that changed and shit for me. And I started recognizing that, like, honestly, a lot of pop music is just happy people music. It's like just people who are having good times in life and trying to celebrate the moments. And... I, as a younger me, I loved miserable shit because I was a miserable shit. And then I got older and I've had incredible moments. And the more I have happy moments, the more I'm like, tonight's the night. Woo! Let's live it up. Because like, yo, like so many times that happens more. So we have so many crazy great experiences that it's like, I don't know that I, I'm in the headspace. And then you realize other aspects of music like Oasis and Grooves. It's kind of hard to go and look at what Oasis can do on an eight-minute groove song where it doesn't change a lot, but then you realize this groove is just perfect. And it doesn't, and you know, there's all these other elements I think you appreciate once you get past technique and care more about style. Like, I think that's a huge, like, a huge thing. Like, in music, I feel like you focus on technique at first because you're supposed to, but, like, yo, style is, is really, like, important and overlooked i find by a lot of newer artists because like maybe it's not explained anywhere what it means but like yeah that's where you see slow musicians have perfect style even if it's simplicity yeah Yeah, absolutely there and there's a lot of beauty and simplicity i remember uh, a little bit before i decided to rap Lil peep was uh coming out with some or maybe I was rapping, but like, you know what I mean? I, I just, I had a very specific tastes, you know what I mean? And that was it. It was like Eminem, 50 Cent, Lil Wayne, Tupac, Biggie, and like nobody else pretty much. 
you know, and I'd listen to other rappers and stuff to like study, but like I just had a very small circle of rap I actually listened to other than. And so I remember Lil came out, I'd listen to his stuff and, and, you know, people would be like, oh yeah, he's a rapper. And I'd be like, huh, what, what, what are you talking about? You know, it's so simple and the rhymes are so simple and it's like, you know, uh, so easy and I could do that. And, you know, then <laughs> a few years later, I, I don't know why, but I just listened to his music out of curiosity again. You know, I was like, I want to try that again and see if I still think the same thing. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is such an amazing artist. I was like, get, oh my God. I just got to interject one more thing. He could do the clean vocals live. And I don't know that anybody, like, I wasn't just yeah. auto-tune. He could do the clean vocals live. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I'm a big Pete fan. A big one. Because a lot of people uh, will talk trash about rappers kind of from his era and say, well, when they perform live, they don't perform it. But I agree with you. He would actually perform it live. He was not lip syncing. He even even when his own voice was in the back, sometimes he was still singing every word, even high out out of his mind, still able to memorize his own lyrics better than I can sober. And he was like a very talented live performer. And he would, would really engage his audience in ways that to me was similar to Morrissey back in the 80s with the Smiths. Because Morrissey would literally let like the crowd come to him on stage and almost touch him. And I've seen several live uh, videos of Lil Peep getting really, really, really close to his audience. Literally in the center of the audience around him. He's in the middle of the crowd performing at like a, a big and shit like really getting intimate with his audience in a way you don't see these days anymore with all the bodyguards and stuff and I mean the point that I was going with was he ended up becoming one of my favorite and most influential artists uh, to this day one of quite a few but he ended up making a huge impact on me in a positive way now I listen to him all the time now I, I stick up for him when people say the things that I used to say it's too simple it's easy I can do it it's like no you can't because you can't replicate that style and if you did it would sound corny well, but when he does it, it doesn't. You see what I'm saying? Honestly, proof to that pudding, go listen to the rest of Goth Boy Click. <clears throat> Tell me the rest yeah. of Goth Boy Click compares. There's not even comparisons. And like, I feel like Lil Peep is not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but he was able to leverage delivery and style to re literally repeat the same line like nine times, but change it every single time to emotionally carry you in the way rock does. It's just like you, and you don't get you don't get bored with it. Nah, it's like that's the real truth of it. I mean, okay, I'm biased to peep, and I get kind of like made fun of by people. But I heard, uh, I mean, he passed. And then we did the album review. Was it a little bit timing? Yes. But it was for uh, Come Over When You're Sober Part 2. And to this day, it is one of my favorite projects. Like, I, like if I hear one of the seven songs, I almost have to go play the whole thing in full. Because it's like, it's a perfect project to me. It really, like, there's no misses. Every second of that is dope. And I probably know the whole thing by heart by accident at this point. Like, I don't know that there are many seven track compilations of music but i also fucked with my chemical romance so like <laughs> favorite bands when i was a kid actually so like i grew up on that like i'm in high school belting out lincoln park my chemical romance at eminem so like honestly Lil peep is like a good fusion of shit but like arguably he doesn't rap a lot he sings a lot arguably that's very like life That's is beautiful true. it might be one of the only times you really hear him rap in his more pop career <clears throat> right and and i was thought 
and I always wondered why he was still considered a rapper so often when he's brought up in a discussion. Smoke. And I think what it comes down to is that it's the style. So he was very close with rappers and his beats were very rap-esque for the era. It was like rap-rock fusion. And he wouldn't completely sing, but he wouldn't completely rap. It was kind of more like he was voicing poetry in a melodic way is how I viewed it. It was like spoken word in a melodic mm. way, which is so much more of a unique style. You don't really hear other rappers or singers do. I, I can't really call him a singer or a rapper. He was but really just... To answer your question, I think it's dudes like Smokestack or I think that's the producer and all the dudes around it that just layered him in trap. They just layered him in trap. So like, where else are you putting him when like... Honestly, mm -hmm. half these hip hop genres, from my perspective as an outsider, are drum patterns. Like, honestly, change the drum pattern, and then it's a whole new genre of hip hop. And it's like, you know, not the artist; it's the drum patterns that really. This is could be ignorant to everybody out there. This is just, again, like when I look at it, it's not the samplers or the melodies. All of that shit's variable. But I mean, yes, boom bap is gonna go usually more there. But like, you know, it seems to be mostly like that. So. To me, it's just like they put a bunch of trap drums under him, so he's in that melodic trap category. Thus, he's a rapper. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, in a positive note about the beats, part of part of what makes the style so great is the type of besides his lyrics and everything, and that was all great too. But I always appreciate rappers as well for the even if they didn't make the beat for choosing the right beats for their and writing that beat the right way and i can always appreciate how good he was at choosing the right beat right song right and hopping on it in a way that you can dig because not everyone can hop on that beat and make the beat dope there are people out there who would hop on it and ruin it and i have heard it happen so much. hop on a little peep type beat and totally trash it but if peep was on it it would have been dope so i can still also the style that's style is the type of beats they hop on and what they're uh rapping or singing to and that's what also makes them so distinctive and influential the amount of little peep type beats out there on youtube that rappers rap over is astro i mean it's probably millions like it, it's a huge impact um yeah uh, i was low-key surprised at how influential he was but i mean then I found out that rock not be hot with young people and they all be into hip hop. But like in that context of like that emo rap, I don't know what else to call it. It's seriously to me just emo vocals on hip hop beats. And I love it. And I really I do. To me, it's one of the coolest sounds. Just like I love the fact that new metal's kind of coming back with a fervor. Shout out Travis Barker who decided he's going to single handedly revive new metal because. He really did it by himself. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to just go on everybody and make new metal. And then a lot of y'all gravitated to it because you got to understand, I'm like 12 when new metal drops. It is my favorite genre of music, and I've been made fun of my whole life. So to see it being one of the hottest genres out there in young people land right now makes me very happy. And I really love the way it sounds to this day. I never stop liking new metal. So it's like to see these like kind of vibes and transitionary genres kind of taking over is wild to me. But I think little people, and all of this is like that's it it's like rock kind of died and moved in that direction and i guess it is old metal now it's not really new metal at all that's a good comment bunny and shout out to man then 19 for being here too um 
but yeah so like when did you actually decide to pivot into like rapping uh yeah so uh i was 14 and i was really getting really into synth pop writing my own music also i was playing guitar and bass and i had a drum machine and a keyboard I'd create my own beats and then there were a few songs I still have on my SoundCloud somewhere. One was called Wallflower. Um, and uh, I would just write last songs, last instrumentals and sing to them and everything. But I was having a problem, which was that my hair was so long that all my songs go on for 20 or 30 minutes, no joke. And I really wanted to want every damn song to be 30 minutes. Um, so I asked my sister, who was very heavily involved in culture, because uh, she has a ridiculously good memory, and you know she loves all types of music. So I was like, Kaylee, I want to learn how to rap. Who should I listen to? She was like, go check out Immortal Technique. And so I did. And I was like, damn, this I haven't listened to rap for my entire life. Why am I so stupid? I should have been listening to this the whole time. This is awesome. And so then I just started to kind of go down a rabbit hole of checking out other rappers and just, you know, I had, I could just look popular rappers and just click on one and check them out. And you say a word, you know, what's really interesting about like what you just said too about habits and shit, right? Cause how many people then like are going to go down the, the YouTube rabbit hole lanes of rap. So like, let's say your first favorite rapper is Lil Wayne that almost sends you down a very different path of popular rapper discovery than if the first one you click on is Immortal Technique. It's honestly like, that's wild as like, because that's what was happening, right? The algorithms were kind of funneling it based on suggested videos, based on what you were previously into. Well, I was able to to the underground, I think was very beneficial. Um, you know, I didn't listen to Eminem until like a year later. Uh, and so, yeah, I was just getting into rap. I was checking out, like, I, I, I felt like I was really more going to school because I would like research these rappers and I'd look at media and read about their whole lives and then listen to find from each rapper and then look at the lyrics and then try to spit their, their beats with them. You know, I just ended up falling in love with the craft is really just the best way to put it. I ended up thinking that, like, this is the shit and this is what's been missing in my life. And this music gives me the type of, like, energy and feeling that I've been craving to feel from music. You know, it's, very, it's a very powerful feeling. Not every genre of music, uh, for me personally, made me feel powerful when I was playing it or listening to it. But rap actually like I, I had like some strength and power and control in my life and also for my aggression because I, I was actually a very even though I didn't have angry outbursts I never went to anger management I had, I had a ton of pent-up anger and when I was alone I would unleash hell and just like punch my pillows and scream into them and thrash them around and throw things and break things and just like have random fits like when I knew I was behind closed doors, I get so pissed off all the time. And I still do that, by the way. <laughs> I still have severe anger. But the point is, the rap, I think part of why I fell in love with it was because it was the only music I had ever heard that spoke to my angry side and taught me how to control it and how to not and how to turn it into something positive, which, you know, kind of an interesting uh, side note. So, yeah, that's just how I got 
it. And, you know, long story short, just fell in love and kept doing it and decided I just wanted to be really good at it and pursue it. So you start at your 14 and unlike a lot of people, you're just capable of making your own music already. So you're just able to do it. Are you, and you have all the gear at home to record vocals and everything as well. Yeah, my dad was really supportive, thank God, uh, of my music. And he was extremely tech savvy. So he knew what to get me and how to help me because I didn't know what I was doing. So, you know, he gave me a computer. Uh, he gave me uh, like a, a MIDI plug-in for the stupid little fucking like shitty MIDI box control console that I had to plug into my keyboard and then plug it into the fucking computer. And then there was this annoying hissy sound that would go away. I remember all of this so clearly. And... Uh, first microphone and I remember not being able to get rid of the background noise enough because I had to record in my closet and I didn't understand how to create a studio room but my dad got me all the bare bone equipment that I needed in order to make music no matter how low quality it was right and so you started <laughs> practicing that putting all that effort in and were you like performing at this time too or was it still like just you know on your own doing it performing first experience performing I was 17 and I was I was really serious about rap at that and I had and friends with uh New York uh a, a girl and a guy uh Sketch and Mina actually uh and uh we got pretty close we got to become homies and they pretty much invited me to go over to Syracuse to have a road trip and do little open mics. And so I did an open mic in Syracuse. I did an open mic in Cleveland. <laughs> I did an open mic in, I think maybe one other place, uh, coast, uh, driving around and shit. And it, I mean, it was a blast. It was insane. It was crazy. It was bizarre. There was a lot of fuck shit that happened that I don't need to get into right now. Um, <laughs> but I don't talk to those people anymore. Uh, but yeah, so that was, Experience performing 17 doing open mics all the way across the other end of the state with people i had just met online oh that's wild all of that sounds like there's something that like shouldn't have happened there but it still sounds wild yeah a few things <laughs> all of that. sorry put it that way yeah fair <laughs> enough. fair enough um but it's still like a crazy first experience with regards to like setting up this low end tour by accident. Like that's like pretty dope stills in regards to that side of the experience. Um, and did it go well when you performed? Yeah. I, I remember there was like this uh, couple and uh, they also, they were dancing around me and they were like, remember being so happy. I remember being pissed at first cause I had a CD with my beats they were like, yeah, we don't do that. You have to rap to a jazz band. So I had to rap to a jazz band. But it kind of sounded cool. It kind of sounded old school. I remember people dancing around and clapping. And it was a big-ass bar. And it was pretty packed. And like, it, I remember it being a really good first experience of like being really nervous and then realizing people actually like my shit, even at that age. Um, and yeah, I looked back at the video, too. And I was like, man, my voice sounds way better than I thought it sounded have that first experience where we hear it in a video and we're like oh that sounds different than i hear it when i'm just doing it out loud and yeah it was experience people liked it that's dope and so after you come back from that like are you like releasing your music also along the way or are you like playing the internet game still or was it like just a six-year-old poetry thing 
So it was uh, on SoundCloud and YouTube. I would I would release music and and stuff like that. And then you know, as I get older, my music better. I delete my old stuff. You know what I mean? And although there's still some really old shitty shit on my account. In fact, I did keep progress. I think that's kind of cool to see. Right. Um, doing that, I just uh, never got on the uh, streaming wave, and in fact, I only just now. um and stuff like that i don't know there's just a part of me that's really hard to get me to want to go through all the legal jargon that is involved in that kind of shit um there's so little legal jargon that's involved in that kind of shit i have released stuff with the lauren hill sample in it uh, on spotify there's almost no legal jargon there is legal jargon if you want to register your shit with bmi or ascan and that's where it gets there because when you're on a strict budget and you right, uh, are using beats that um, just on YouTube, just like, but then when you want to actually put it on Spotify and 17 and you have a job that's only paying you minimum wage part time, right? And all of this other shit, it's like, well, I can't afford to pay 300. This is every time I want to pay, every time I put something on Spotify or whatever. So, there was a time before I was making more money and could afford it, right, to actually buy exclusives and stuff where it's like, there's no reason to put it on Spotify because I can either just get a lease and only stream it a thousand times or I have to buy the $300 beat so I can stream it or else there is legal jargon and it's basically just straight up illegal, right? It's mm-hmm. copyright. You can't just stream it. You're- so I suppose you're all technically correct, but you would be shocked at the level of conversation that goes on behind closed doors between people on this subject that I've been exposed to. Like, my standards have slipped to, like, eh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, taking local producers' low-end shits and releasing it without consent because I really do care about consent. But, like, I'm also not like that worried about the 3000 streams thing that's like uh if you have that problem you're in a good position because you can always upgrade most of these leases and shit like it's usually just like you pay an extra 80 bucks and you get unlicensed so if you're in a position where something's taken off it's like yo hit the person up and be like yo here's some good news i feel you i guess it was just at that age i didn't want to deal with it at all you know what i mean uh something I didn't feel like dealing with, didn't care about. And since you don't make a lot of money from streams unless you're doing really well and you know what you're doing, I just didn't understand the point of it till recently. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, now I do have a Spotify. Now I am in a position where I can purchase exclusives and I am. And now I feel a lot more comfortable and I see a lot more incentive to put my music on Spotify, all of that happening. You know what I mean? It just didn't make sense for me back a few years ago. I absolutely respect the fact that you care about the legalities of it all. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to encourage people to break the law. I just meant like, I mean, in this day and age, it's like, it's not what it was. It is not well, what yeah, it was. Distro Kid artists, is hella liberal. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I mean, I don't know. In my experience, um, it's just such a, it's a mixed bag, honestly. Uh, even 
when I was just like posting a rap, uh, there's been a couple times I remember trying to post a rap on YouTube with a, a beat, you know, not making profit, not monetizing. And I remember a couple times there'd be like a little copyright warning and it'd be like, oh, no, you can't post this because some, some producers are like very serious about that shit. So I learned pretty early on, if I want to be on a producer's good side, I need to respect that. And that's something I want. I respect producers so much because not only do I make music and I could be a producer someday with my musical background, but like without them, I'm just acapella and no one wants to listen to that. And the beat is what keeps my passion for music uh, half the time because I, I just fucking grind into it and then I'm inspired to write to it. I feel you. And to be clear, everything on my Spotify, I've at least talked to the producer about it. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not really no, into totally it. However, where I get gray zone and area is if the producer I use sampled some shit, I'm not worrying about clearances. That's where, like, I don't give a fuck on Spotify. I would not register that to SoCan, which is Canada's BMI. But, like, um, yeah, no. Like, I got a lot more liberal with samples and things like that because of the current climate. Because, basically, if you're violating, they block you. So you may as well take the risk. If it gets through, trust me, nobody's coming at anybody with anything, really. And if you do, you are having happy people problems 98% of the time. Like, it's really rare that somebody's getting fucked up on some shit. Like, oh, you used the sample. It's like you cease and desist. It gets taken down and it's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine most of the like, hey, nice job sampling that. You know what I mean? I assume it'd be flattering. I'm, I, I've had people literally not necessarily sample my shit but like remix my stuff and whatever and not tell me and then post and be like hey i remixed your stuff and i'm always like oh thank you like that that's flattering to me you know i'm not gonna be like oh my god take it down I just, all i ask is credit that you tell your fans that, that you've remixed my song or whatever that's it that's the important part that's to it. me is credit yeah. like i'm really into crediting uh the beat maker folk these days i think that's like why? Because I don't know who anybody was for the longest time. And it's honestly because everything was just a rapper's name. And then I realized how much, like, certain beat makers, like, they make the songs. Like, you know, look at, like, a Swiss Beats DMX combo. Like, it's not, it, like, it hits, it hits nice when these two are together. You know, like, there's a lot of those throughout music. And, like, in the, in the, at the end of the day, it's, like, super important to care about the producer. So I respect everything you're saying. I just know, like, yeah, it's kind of like hard to find and follow people for me if they're not on Spotify because I'm not really listening to music not on Spotify. So I could fuck with y'all and everything and it's like you're not there, you're not making my bicycle playlist because honestly, that's where the music gets played. <clears throat> um, yeah, exactly. But we did get a question from Jumpin' Joe and I forgot to ask this too. Uh, it's a good question. How did you become Renegade? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, a lot of people think uh, incorrectly that from Eminem and Jay-Z's song Renegade, that is not where I got it from. I had already known the song at that time, but I myself after that song. What it was, was I was watching a documentary on uh, what's called Renegade Prostitutes, which are prostitutes who disband from their pimp to make money independently, and it's really tied because they're after them, try to bring him back or, or friend them or whatever. And uh, it was just really fascinating. And uh, I remember going like, I swear to God, something else, and that's just the slang term for it. And so I looked up what the actual meaning of the word is, not the slang 
term, uh, and it just means anybody who goes against goes against authority is rebellious, blah blah blah. And I kind of felt like, okay, I'm a, an artist who wants independent. Uh, you know what you mean? Unless I can get a really really solid good deal, and I always want to have the, my own music and not have a board of people tell me. How how to present myself or how to dress and things like that I don't like that that's not I don't vibe with that and you know I just felt like I also like to say things that piss people off because I just don't see why I should care if it's good poetry it's good poetry if it's good bars it's good bars that's kind of my mentality and that's very rebellious a lot of people think they have to really calculate what they're saying to make sure everyone likes them in every group and that's stupid to me and so when I saw what Renegade meant kind of like not only is this a catchier name than what all the five different names I was bouncing back and forth with before but uh it's just it it really describes what I want to be you know and my philosophy as a as an artist can I ask a question that's more like a different angle on that name do you have to put like a caveat on it because like I know that there's multiple renegades that use the term renegade as an artist name. Is that like a concern for you or do you have like an extra term or something? So that's a good question. So I I already did a lot of research on that when I was picking the name and when I was first calling myself renegade. There are some artists that go by renegade, but uh, there were only the only rappers that called themselves renegade came out after I was calling myself renegade for years, putting stuff online for years. I did thorough research to make sure nobody else was named renegade who was a rapper before me. Right. So I'm posting stuff back in um, like 2013 as a rapper, you know, going by renegade in 2014, going by renegade and stuff. And nobody else was as a rapper that I could find. And I didn't ever find any until years and years later. I'm not concerned because they're they're just starting out and they don't really know anything about the craft or, or the business or the industry or anything. So that doesn't concern me. Um, but really what it comes down to is I'm always going to go by Renegade. That's what everyone knows me as. Um, I've never had any issues before. Uh, if I'll keep it a secret because I don't want to reveal my secret weapon and because that'll ruin my ability to use it. But there are certain ways you can adjust the name it can still be called the same thing but the way it looks is different and mm. that can actually kind of be a good legal loophole so i'm not really worried and the reason i go by renegade the rapper on my instagram before it got hacked on my twitter on my youtube right is because there are so many artists who are all or other businesses by just renegade on those platforms so renegade the rapper kind of keeps me safe from that already yep and it's easy to remember. And that's a good answer. I mean, I've seen how you stylize some of your shit on some of your songs, so I get what you're saying. Um, but, like, um, yeah, no, it's it's a smart approach to it. And it's a good answer to it because Renegade – I forgot it was Renegade the Rapper because the last account I saw was your other thing because, you know, you got hacked, which is unfortunate. And a lot of people have been hacked, and it's the same hack. And it's like – I know you can get your account back because Homegirl got her account back. So it's, like, possible. Um and it was the same shit, but I know it's not simple. No, I tried so hard for about an hour and a half, and I went, you know what? You can have it, dude. Yeah, no, she went through, like, fucking hurdles, because, like, I don't remember why, but it took her a couple of weeks and dealing with Insta. But for the people out there, it is possible to get your account back after X number of days, this, that, the next thing. 
Um, but yeah, you also do the other stuff, right? That's not music related because your whole other Insta seems to be fashion, crop top or something related. I might be wrong about the clothing item, but uh, what's that about? Yeah, uh, uh, a few years ago or more like two years ago, um, uh, basically, yeah, this company, Lila's Crop Tops had hit me up and they were basically like, oh, we want to send you some free crop tops and then just take some pictures and use this code and try to get sales. So I was doing that for quite a while um, and they were patient with me, but I never got any sales through my affiliate link. And it just got to a point where it's like, I'm not passionate about modeling. I'm not pa passionate about sponsorships that don't make me any money. So <laughs> that's a funny way to put it, but it's blunt. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I just kind of stopped doing it. Um, and, and the other thing is just the crop tops are very short and there's just only very rare circumstances where I personally would, would wear it because I just don't like, you know what I mean? It's just not my typical style. They were very rare actually so would ever you wear. would you be like a, a hoodie model yeah absolutely a thousand percent a thousand percent i love hoodies i'm in the pacific northwest so most of the year i'm i have to subject myself to sweaters and hoodies and baggy clothes because it's warm it's comfortable yeah i'm in montreal we suffer five six months a year of cold i mean some people love it so shout out to the people who love winter i am not a people who love winter in montreal I can't wait till it's over, but uh, I respect that a lot. Like, there's a lot of money in uh, toques. I guess you call them beanies, but there's a lot of money in toques in Montreal that don't exist in Florida. <laughs> no, they were called toques. That's, well, that's because it's the French term. And when you're up in Montreal, all of a sudden, there's these random ass words that you just don't say the English name for because, like, yo, like sometimes you'll see some shit where it's like it's a hat, and then you get into subgenre. And when you're reading the signs, French has to come first on some legal shit and French has to be bigger than English on some legal shit. So it'll be like toque and then whatever English word it'll be under a hat or whatever. And nobody's going to go as far as caring about beanie. So you'll see like toque and when you buy them, it just says toque everywhere. So you just kind of get – so that happens a lot in Montreal. There's just a bunch of different terms and like every now and again, like you'll just be like, nah, this is some French word. Like for me, I, I didn't remember that pomplamousse was grapefruit, so I just knew it in French. I just, I just forget the English word here and there. And most of us got like a little something like that just due to the bilingual nature of Montreal with the oppressive French government <laughs> that like forces French down your throat. It's some wild shit actually. Um, but that's a whole other topic. So, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Tukes. But yeah, I think they're beanies everywhere else. And it's so weird whenever somebody says beanie. It's like, uh, fair enough. Right. But, um, yeah. So, like, uh, you said you were doing something with your dad, too. Uh, what kind of business are you involved in? Yeah. So, uh, since I was 14, um, we've been doing this business together. Uh, and it started out as Web Nutrients. I, uh, it's, um, it's more than just a nutrition company. Not a lot of people know what nootropics are. It's kind of difficult for me to explain. Right, but so, let's pause. What's a nootropic? Just break that part down. It's a simple layman's term. It, it, it is a uh, neuro enhancement drug or neuro enhancement substance of some form. All right. Does that um, mean it's brain function enhancing stuff? Yeah, it is brain function enhancing stuff. And also it can do everything for your, it can help with your health, your sleep, 
literally any health, mental or physical problem you have, there are nootropics and supplements you can combine out there that help you with that issue. And that's what we do. And we customize it for the customer. So they actually fill out a customization form telling us about their lifestyle and their physiology, what meds they might be, conditions they might have and, and how they want to feel. And then we actually create different blends of nootropics and uh, herbs and whatnot together and send it to them and help them. Is that like tinctures? Uh, we have tinctures. We have sprays. We have pills. We have drink mixes. We uh, have the ability to make topical, although we haven't done that yet. Um, we're working on it. We even want to do makeup. Okay. The, okay. I'm following this a bit because like I was in this tincture bar and they had a list of ingredients that dealt with ailments and you could order. Kava. We use Kava. You've, you're probably familiar with stuff like that. I'm less familiar with it than you think, but I know the general sense of what you're doing. Um, it's combining natural stuff because everything has, it's like, because not that different than alchemy, right? And I know a lot about alchemy. Exactly. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, I'm basically a modern day alchemist and that's what my dad and I do together. We're now merging with another business right now and uh, we do predict we're going to be pretty fucking huge pretty soon here. Um, but it's a lot of shit behind. But yeah, so we're just, that's what we're doing. That's our mission. Just help improve people's health and their lifestyle and their mental state uh, if they so choose, if that's what they want um, and do it in a way that is harmless and beneficial. So, yeah. That's actually super nifty. So basically you've been doing the internet marketing game on top of the music thing, but like as a business model, for actual things that people want because there is a crazy market for that stuff um for a whole long time and so you got like crazy background experience running some real business shit yes yeah yeah uh he actually and i never this uh but my dad has referred to me for years as a co-founder because i was his first employee and i've stuck with him from the beginning and him and i constantly collaborate on the business moves and decisions we make what products we release and how I'm usually the one teaching people how to make this shit. And I'm the one training employees. I'm the one managing the on-site facility while he's in a different state, stuff like that. Um, I mean, I have a, a manager now as well, but before he came along, that's what I'm doing uh, forever. <laughs> so I mean, that's uh, just a yeah. low key boss up flex there. That's all she just did. Like, psh, I used to be a manager and I got the manager co-founder. It is what it is. Yo, we making boss moves, merger shit. <laughs> in a just to add to it not as impressive as it sounds when you realize oh well that's his daughter like i'm i'm the boss's daughter so it is a little no, bit no, of an no, easy no 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 see you hired a manager to work on your shit because you guys bossed up and you consulted and you were heavily involved. I mean, there's plenty of bosses' daughters that I know don't do that. And I've also met bosses' daughters. Like, I happen to work with a boss's daughter and she's like, nah, fuck my dad. I'm going to be the best. And like, yo, there's other versions of bosses' daughter that are out there. I don't think people should like take away from the accomplishment like that. Nah, have you been involved in a business that is successfully growing? And have been part of the practical management of that. Yes, for the last ten years. So is that now what the CV's gonna say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got a good point. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah. For anybody out there, uh, I worked hard. <laughs> 
I mean, like, yo, I worked with my dad one time doing newspapers back in the day on some shady shit, in my opinion, because it was middle of the night when I had school the next day shit. And I don't know if working with your parents is like a blessing. It's more like they tell you what to do and maybe they don't pay you if they don't feel like it because they're your parents and they can ground you. Like, I'm not saying that happened to you. I'm saying that I don't know if, like, it always works out in this nepotistic fantasy of rich people when you're not in the nepotistic fucking world, you know? Like, it can be really weird to actually work with your parents depending on the circumstance. Well, and and, and to add to that, my brother and my sister both also worked for and they uh, at some point quit. Um, and you know what I mean? I don't know. It, it just... I stuck around. And that is why you get to make the flex today but that's actually wild do you guys like do you guys like how do you like invent new stuff do you like are you constantly learning about this there's like conferences and shit like do you get to go travel and do that like fancy per diem shit uh yeah i mean i got back from uh miami i think it was august uh to do a biohacking conference uh with um he does bulletproof coffee uh dave asprey he was there he's pretty big in that field and i was there passing out samples of my product uh it was x and it tastes like lemonade and it kind of makes you more energetic and smarter and i had to explain how it works to people and and uh you know why they should want it um but i did some of that uh i still have a lot of education to do uh my dad is the mad scientist behind all the formulas and all the products and everything but over the last 10 years he has taught me a lot so i know more than the average person, but i don't know as much as him however i know enough that uh every week i do hold a 30 minute uh little conference uh where i teach the sales team basically you know information about the products how they work answer questions they might have about i have about it um <clears throat> and stuff like that um, but yeah, there's still a lot to learn, but my, my dad, he's been, he's been, uh, studying and researching biochemistry since he was a little kid. So this is kind of something that is natural to him. Like he just understands the shit on a new fucking level on a different level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. That's wild. This is like, you got this whole career on the real, and then you got this music thing you're just doing. It's like it's a flex. It's a it's a lot of work. It's a it, the only challenge for me is just finding um, a good work music life balance because I want to do music all day every day. I wish I got paid to do music twelve hours a day, and I would. Um, as much as I love the business that I work for, I just that's how much I love music. I'm thinking about it and I'm listening to it when I'm working. And um, but basically, the biggest challenge is just you work you know, all day uh, at the business. And it's exhausting, especially when you run it like I do. It's exhausting how much you have to do. By the end of it, on just an eight-hour day at the end of it, I'm exhausted. And I'll still do music, but I hate doing music exhausted. And then it's like, sometimes you just want to, like, chill or, like, hang out with people. And then there's always an, that little bug in my brain. It's like, oh, I need to be recording this song, though, really badly. And, like, finding that balance is very difficult for me. Then that balance is super difficult for a lot of us. I'm not gonna lie. Um, like, you know, my girlfriend can attest to the fact that I'm super bad at taking time off. Like, I I will take vacation, and then fill it with all the chores of whatever. And then the, like I once took a vacation and decided to book eleven interviews. Like 
often considered like you know it's not because if i wasn't i would have felt like i should be doing that and it's like one of the biggest challenges in my life now is to learn how to like play video games and not feel guilty because <laughs> it's like hard yeah and then, yeah i have the same and my dad has the same issue and you know i don't know if i got it from him or what but yeah, it's, it's a huge difficulty for me to actually relax i mean definitely cool for success but like yo that balance thing i don't know i don't know how to find it i know a lot of people that are chasing it though and i know it's like a super legitimate thing to be chasing because like yo you see the consequences of miserable old people after and you're like hold up i kind of want all the dope shit but i also don't want to be miserable old people and that's where like that balance has to come in so it's like throw away all the people i care about in my life for success but i don't want to throw away my success so it's a very difficult tightrope to walk of like should i be recording or should i be hanging out with somebody or should i be working or what should i do because all three of those things will help me in my life and benefit me in some way. It's like, it's just a really complicated thing. But, you know, I'm slowly finding that balance, I think. I think I have a good thing going right now. Um, and it's just not having enough energy in the day sometimes, I feel like, to do it all, to do everything I want to do. Yeah, that's the part where my expectation management of my own abilities is awful. Like, I mean, when I plan, it's like everything. And when I deliver it's not always focus because like yo it's hard to be on point 168 hours a week like you're just you know like it's just kind of how it be but like i'll fill it i'll fill the whole calendar and then not achieve it <laughs> week over week yeah i feel that but um i feel like if you can do 80 percent of the shit or whatever number that is week over week though you're golden that's how like you really do build i mean well I have a quote that I'll say it's like one of my favorite low lane quotes. And it's basically just, if you want to get good at anything or you have a goal or you want to make money or you want to be successful or whatever it is, like the secret to life is repetition. So that would like blew my mind. Cause I always thought the secret to success was you have to do it 12 hours a day. But if you really just do it for half an hour every day or something, like just repeat that shit over and over, eventually you'll get to where you want to be. That's true. Although, like, on the real, with something like music, if you do do it six hours a day, you are going to exponentially get quicker than doing it 30 minutes a day. Well, a thousand percent, just like what we talked about earlier that, you know, I'm living proof of that. And I'm sure, you know, you might be too. I don't, I, you, you do Honestly, um, I didn't do the childhood shit. I had the unfortunate parents who were like, shut the fuck up, don't sing, you'll never be a singer, go to science, math shit. I went through that. Um, and then because of that, I got that vendetta where like, you're like, fuck you, I'm gonna make it. And to this day, it's yeah. fuck you, I'm gonna make it in my head still. Um, but I'd say I started focusing on writing songs when I was in my teenage years, um, with a desire since I'm like six. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, I sucked a lot at singing when I was 22. Like everybody who knows me knows how bad of a singer I was. And I have spent the last decade teaching myself to not be so shitty. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a good singer, but I'm like a Billy Corgan and I'll fucking ride that till I die. I got a style with it now. I'm a stylistically shit singer. So I fucks with that. It took a decade, a whole fucking decade of my life to get mediocre. <laughs> because uh, I didn't start that i was a good singer until this year and i've been singing for 10 years so i'm kind of in the same way and it was some a huge 
insecurity of mine to sing and sing in front of people until this year. Um, and so I'm kind of the same way where I just felt like I was shit, 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 shit. And now I'm finally like presentable, but still not the best, obviously. Yeah, I you have ruined, I, I used to get this shit in the car all the time. Stop ruining my favorite song. Like the number of times I've heard that say to, said to me, uh, I, you know, I've, I've have deep complexes on that subject where I could go on rants about how fucking weird people are with music. But yeah, I was real bad. I'm not going to pretend like they were wrong. I was actually like, you might have been good the whole time. I was not. I was really bad. I just want to make it sure that I'm. people know I'm aware of that. I heard the recordings. <laughs> I, I, I was bad. And I was uh, like mediocre and passable for the last few years. I could like get paid to do hooks for people and shit. But, like, you know, I still had to process the shit out of my voice. Now I'm finally at a point where I sound good live and I'm like content with my voice and people are complimenting me. And it's like blowing my mind because I've dreamed about being a singer since I was little. And I was horrified of singing up until this year, even though I've been doing it for 10 years. Like singing journey. Low key, I started rapping because I couldn't sing, but I could rap. So I just couldn't sing. And that kind of forced me down a different path. But like, yo, I always wanted to be a bassist singer. And then um, I couldn't, well, I realized I was never going to put the time into bass given where I was at with rapping because I always liked Eminem and shit as a kid, you know, did all that stuff. But then it's like, nah. So I rapped because I could. And then I had to learn all about singing gruelingly. But yeah, it's like, it's like, it's cool that you were able to like push that and do the hooks and actually be at that level because that's not bad if people be like on you for hooks and i checked some of your older shit right like because you got a bunch that's on your youtube and you can Mm -hmm. hear that you was like super melodic with it and able to do a whole bunch yeah thank you yeah i mean i have so many different uh, influences and uh i feel like what kind of got me into singing um i mean other than wanting to be a singer like what really like got me like confident enough to kind of dabble in it as as a rapper and and like be like oh yeah I can I can do this was like just hearing like Juice World or Drake do that melodic shit over rap and me being like maybe I could do this because they're not like you know Whitney Houston with it but like they sound good when they kind of write a beat like it's kind of singing kind of rapping so that was kind of me dipping my toes in the water like i could maybe i can sing maybe i could try it Hold you on. know For you, it's drake and juice world like juice world rap. is next to drake to you no but they both do melodic rapping mm. over there drake was the first rapper i'd ever heard who really did that in lil wayne and then i got years later it was juice world that really did that melodic shit over beats heavily they sound totally different but they both do that kind of like kind of singing over a beat, but it's kind of like rhythmic, but melodic kind of thing. And that was kind of what got me like confident enough to, to give it a try and put it out publicly. That's super nifty. Like his juice world just kind of came and went and art rest in peace and all, but man, did I miss the entire juice world wave? I know the one song because sting sued him. And oh, yeah. guys, uh, I don't know anything he's a, about he's, him. He's, he's amazing. I used to, uh, I used to be like kind of into him. I heard Lucid Dreams and I thought that was dope and that like inspired a different song out of me. Or, and like I kind of, you know, like I said, it made me dabble into that melodic rap. But then, you know, months and months later, I started to really listen to him and 
what really got me into him was hearing his freestyles uh, completely off the top. He could go for an hour or two hours straight off the top, no edits, no cuts, just going and going and going. And I was like, I didn't know, I, I was like, I didn't know he could rap. I had no idea this dude could spit like a real rapper. And then I heard that. And then I listened back to his recorded songs that were more melodic, singy, rappy. And I was like, oh my God, dude does have bars. Dude does have fucking lyrics. Dude is so fucking talented. He can do so many different, diverse, different things with his voice. He's done like a hardcore screamo rap type thing, like what Scarlord does. He's done the sing rap. He can freestyle. He can do like old school fucking thing. Like I had no idea how diverse he was till I heard freestyles. Mm. That is a super interesting selling point for freestyles in general for a lot of people and the value they bring to it because it does showcase that. But shout out Juice World. That's a really good like summary of what makes him interesting as an artist. I respect that a lot. I thought Lucid Dreams, yo, what up, Lindell? Uh, I thought Lucid Dreams was always a well-written song, and that's why I fucked with it, because otherwise, meh. I mean, it's like, when it came out, I wasn't ready yet to admit that this was great music. I was still in my old man phase, because, like... I was the same wave. I was writing that, like, oh, I'm, I'm bad wave. But it was like, uh, it was really Tour Life XO3 or whatever by fucking Lil Uzi Vert. That shit, like, fucked me up. That song's too good. Um, and a few other ones, but. Better. Yes. That, I, I used to totally shit on Lil Uzi Vert, and I heard that, and I'm a fan of his music. I love his music, man. I listen to him all the time. And it's like, I guess these kids want to be rock stars, and I can't hate on that. Um, but, like,. Yeah, now nah, I fucks with the melodic shit because I just don't look at it like with the context of like dense lyricism. And I look at like, cause, like I found this melodic trap drill guy. I don't really know. I can't remember his name, but I'm doing a review of him tomorrow. And honestly, I would have shot all over this kid's music like four years ago. But I was listening to his delivery because I don't think a lot of people focus on delivery as much as they should. And the way this guy was, like, spitting his flow and his bars and his emphasis on, like, like every syllable this kid spit was, like, near perfect. Like, is it the dopest bars I ever heard? Nah. If anything, it's almost like I've heard every bar before. But I believed him spitting it. And that was the crazy part. Because, like, I think there's, like, points of stylistic delivery that are worth studying and some shit. And I never would have saw any of that if I hadn't just, like, started caring about things I didn't like before. But, like, there's a lot to what people do outside of writing bars and shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. But, like, who are some of your, like, people that you fucks with musically? Oh, it's a lot of people. A lot of people. The laundry list is huge, and it's all different kinds of, like, genres, especially if we're just going to talk about rap. But, like, I have influences all over the place. Like my two, my three favorite bands, Tears for Fears, Depeche Mode, Alice in Chains. I also love My Cam. I love Linkin Park. Uh, Amy Winehouse is one of my favorite artists of all time. I listen to Lil Uzi Vert. I'm obsessed with, you know, Eminem, 50 Cent. Uh, I, I listen to J. Cole. I listen to Biggie. I listen to Missy Elliott. I listen to an under a more underground rapper and a lot of people know about him i listen to uh, a new age jerk boy and like people were mocking him last year because he like put out a, a music video in a wedding dress called married to the game i love that song i bop to it all the fucking time he's dope um 
Lil Wayne is one of my favorite rappers of all time. Um, yeah, I fuck with a lot of people. Scarlord with young young pinch. I fuck with all of those people. I think there are only two people you said I didn't know. I don't know what a young pinch is. Scarlord's he's cool. A, he's got some hits out there. Um, but yeah, he's a pretty good artist. Um, he used to like look at my stories and shit, which was always bizarre to me because like I'm he's like pretty popular, but then it was weird because I used to date somebody who like met him and knew him. And then one time I accidentally like saw him out and about with his girlfriend and I was like, this is fucking weird. Like just all this shit surrounding him that happens on accident but like, no he's a dope ass artist and he started super young and he's still like growing his building his platform and his audience and everything but no he's dope i fuck with him I, i've always wanted to, to make music with him um who's your go-to 80s band oh uh it's a tie between depeche mode tears for fears i i can never like betray one for the other i swear i love both of them just as much but those are my two favorites mm. they i go to them for that came straight from Lindell in the comments. He showed up at the end and he was like, oh, if we're going with top artists, which he always likes to go for, we're going to ask questions. But um, in regards to like how you find music, I'm like a little bit curious. How do you discover new music? Like, is it how do you like is it people plug you in? Do you actively look for it? And it's a, it's an active thing because I usually just will obsess over a couple artists and just keep listening to them till I don't want to listen to them anymore for a little bit. And then I'll just look up new artists. So and, how do you look up people? Uh, thankfully, uh, YouTube suggestions uh, is very helpful. You just kind of look at a thumbnail you like for somebody you haven't heard of and a title that's interesting. And if you fuck with it, I keep it in a playlist. Uh, it's called Miss Dopeness, Miscellaneous Dopeness has all different kinds of genres and beats and songs and stuff that I like and I'll listen back to. It's got like a thousand something tracks on it right now, but that's kind of how I discover new people. It's just, I'll be listening to like Lil Wayne or somebody I actually listen to and fuck with. And then I'll see a suggestion for something that someone I've never heard of. And I'll be like, who the hell is this? And they'll be like, Oh damn, they're dope. I'll subscribe. I'll put their music in my playlist. So like having I'll... a music video matter to you? Fuck no. I, I like music videos, but usually I'm bopping to music when I'm doing other things. Driving, taking a shower, doing chores and working out and working is usually when I'm listening to music. Uh, uh, because if I'm not listening to it, I want to be making it, right? Uh, but yeah, um, that's that's just usually YouTube. People don't really plug me. And I kind of get disinterested when people like try to turn on new music, uh, artists to me anyway. But um yeah, I don't want to uh, cut this short, but I am running a little bit short on time. So yeah, I was no wondering worries. if there were like one or two more uh, questions maybe we could go over before I log off. Yeah, no worries. It's kind of, this is just the vibe of it until it kind of ends. And if you have to go, it's totally, I um, I don't really have more questions. In general, it's like we just kind of go through your story and hear about the things you're up to. And then if you share other shit, it works. So I guess to close it off, what is coming next for you? Like in terms of, do you have any projects that you have lined up that are coming? Yeah, love that question. I, well, I have uh, too many projects to keep track of. The main ones, I've got about four collaboration projects that I'm putting out and investing heavily in with like music videos and shit that I'm putting out with some fantastic artists and fantastic animators and stuff like that. And then I have an album coming out with my producer. I have a producer. He goes by Just Producer. He's fucking dope. Uh, literally just blesses me with beats all the time uh, when I'm on a budget and just is like help get my name out there. So just Chris, the producer, look him up. And uh, we have an album coming out. We're working on it. About 75 
finished being recorded. Now I just need to finish the last 25%, finish the ad lib because I do, I do the ad libs last. That's the final thing I do once the verses are put down and the hooks put down. Then I put down the ad libs after when, every, when I know I, uh, everything else is how I want it. So I just got to put on the ad libs, record a couple songs that keep getting me tongue tied because I made the raps too hard for me to rap. But that's cool. I like a challenge. Uh, so I'll finish those. And then um, I just need to send off, clean up the stems and send them to just Chris. And then he's going to mix and master everything for me, uh, the vocals and everything. Then it's just cover art. So we're trying to release it by like the summer of this year, if possible, release this album that we have coming out together. And then I actually have legitimately about six other concept albums. I have completely songs. I know exactly how I want them to go. It's just about time management for me right. and figuring out and I can create those too. Which so, makes yeah. sense because you're a lady boss running your shit and you got a lot on your plate at the same time and you're still hustling it. Well, Thank you, guys. No, but for real, this is a really cool conversation. I appreciate you coming through with this. It's great to talk to you. Um, I appreciate you coming through. All of your links and stuff are going to be in the description of the videos in the future. We can plug it right now on the live environment on the Twitch. Set up a little thing for that. And uh, basically, yeah, everybody go follow her, check her out. Make sure that... Um, you know, you show the support and the love. All the people that are watching it live, I really appreciate all of you that were here that stuck through it because some people stuck through it the whole interview, which is super fire. And then all of you in the future that are watching it, I totally appreciate y'all too because you matter. You know, it's not just the live, but make sure to like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, on that note, uh, if there's nothing else to be said, I appreciate you one more time and live long and prosper, everybody. Oh. Thank you, sir properly plug my shit because of what happened to my instagram right. getting hacked. uh i'm mostly on twitter now at rapper renegade you'll find me on youtube you'll find me renegade the rapper um and uh my spotify is a little bit it's stylized weird so it's kind of hard to spell so i'll just send you the link to that or something i usually just later. put people's link trees so your link trees there perfect yeah, drop my link tree. It's got links to all of my music and stuff if you want to. Oh, you know what? That's on my old Instagram. I don't know. We'll nah, figure I mean, it I out. I have your link tree. It's already in my shit. I got a copy of link trees. If I see a link tree, I take that down. It's already there. It's what we use usually. Anyway, Great. so your stuff's there. It's right. Um, we appreciate you one more time, though. Again, live long, prosper, everyone. I know you got to go do your thing. Everyone, we're going to raid out. And yeah, you know, I appreciate you doing it back. Very few people actually do that back. Most people just give me a, like a okay, whatever kind of look. I, I fucks with that. I don't know. I mean, I hardly watch Star Trek, but like I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, y'all. Yeah.